This podcast is brought to you by Radix Remedies. Listen, you all know about CBDs, right? It's the yin to THC's yang. They don't get you high and they come in all types of form, flowers, tinctures, edibles, topicals. Let me tell you about a company called Radix that I absolutely love. I've been dealing with chronic pain in my shoulder and my back, sleep and anxiety problems on this tour. And I absolutely love Radix. They were founded in 2018 and their mission statement was to provide safe, natural alternatives to pharmaceuticals. I have sampled pharmaceuticals in the past and I've relied on them in the past and now I don't have to because they're retail online nationwide with with fast shipping and all of their products are triple tested for quality. They've got tinctures, which I love. It's like a little drug. They come in multiple levels of CBD concentrate. I'm using the 10,000, the thousand milligram one, but it goes 250, 500,000, and 15. It's a broad spectrum of the cannabinoids, or broad, broad spectrum, meaning it has all of the other cannabinoids, 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 cannabinoids from the cannabis plant, minus obviously the THC, creating a more effective remedy via the entourage effect, which basically means they're giving all these cannabinoids. All these cannabinoids all work better when they're working together and they give them all to you. Like it really does cure anxiety and get you to sleep, knocks out a headache, and then any inflammation reduces pain ASAP. The salve, which I have not tried, but Leanne has used, is basically a CBD infused all natural pain topical that destroys local pain and inflammation. I used it once and I swear to God, I fell asleep. I, I slept, I took the best afternoon nap I ever had in my health, in my life. I deal with sciatica and it helps with sciatica and the pain associated with arthritis. <clears throat> Used consistently as a rubber recovery tool by their sponsored red, red athletes. They've got a freeze cream and a flower. I kind of stay away from the flower. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep my lungs healthy. So I haven't, I haven't even had a cigar lately. But those tinctures and the salves are through the roof. They also have these gummy bears. Anyone who's gone to bed late or tossed and turned all night knows how much sleep impacts your overall well-being and sleep is so important to all of us right now too many people suffer from lack of sleep luckily their cbd gummy bears and plus melatonin are here to help 10 milligrams of cbd and 5 milligrams of melatonin each sleepy bear combines the benefit of the hemp plant and melatonin to support a great night of sleep melatonin obviously has been known to promote relaxation and a good night's sleep but combine it with cbd and you truly get all the stuff your body needs to relax and help you stay asleep all night long. Join the Cannabis Connoisseur Club today. Radix Remedies Premium Cannabis is the premier cannabis and CBD provider in the U.S., and they are now offering their premium cannabis in a subscription box delivered directly to your door. Radix Remedies is the only place you can find this anywhere. Subscription boxes come in packs of five pre-rolls, packs of four eighths, packs of ace and pre-roll combos, as well as boxes that can only contain our other products. The flower you receive will be of various strains, all hand-chosen by the team at Radix. Subscriptions additionally come with various swag items from stickers to magnets to roller papers to trays, trays, trays. Here we go. Check out our new sponsor, Radix Remedies, for all your CBD needs. Cool company, diverse product line, and great prices. Special deals and discounts are here for you, my BurtCast listeners. All you got to do is go to RadixRemedies.com slash Burt. Use the promo code Burt for 10% off all products. That is RadixRemedies, 
com slash Bert and use the promo code Bert for 10% off all products. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Hey guys, brand new podcast and it is official. The Hot Summer Nights Tour is almost wrapped, almost wrapped. We are in New Jersey. We have one show tonight and uh, it has been awesome. I want to thank every Single city we went to. I want to apologize to Wichita, Kansas. We got stormed out. You guys were amazing. We waited four hours, but everyone got their money back. So thank you very much. Kansas City, amazing show. Memphis, amazing show with the most beautiful pictures I could ever imagine of thunder and lightning in the background. Louisville, I played Home Run Derby. That was These venues are so gorgeous that I want to thank everyone, all, especially those in Columbus, who on the late show when it started to rain, just were like, all right, we heard the machine. We're going to bail. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming at all. Pittsburgh and Butler, Pennsylvania is, I will argue, the most beautiful uh, drive-in movie theater that America has to offer, uh, in my opinion. Nikki Glaser is there. Sal Volcano is coming there. It is so gorgeous. If you get a chance, go find and see other comedy there. Philadelphia was maybe one of the highlights of my careers. Uh, 900 cars. Uh, I felt like a rock star. I actually felt like a rock star. I think there was like 4,000 people there. It was amazing. Philly, thank you. Cape Cod, two nights back to back to back. It was so much fucking fun, Cape Cod. Had a great day on the ocean yesterday. And thank you tonight to New Jersey, Oceanport, New Jersey. I'm heading over to the show in two hours. Oh, I got to get some fucking rest. It has been a rough, 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 rough 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 fucking two weeks it has been man 2020 sucks dick it has been such an emotional roller coaster for me with the loss of priscilla and then as you uh will hear i think this week holston is it this week is leanne doing her podcast yeah it comes out tomorrow this comes out tomorrow i want you to listen to leanne's podcast Wife of the party. He, uh, we had an, a family emergency. Um, I guess the night I was in Columbus, I guess that was probably Thursday night. Leanne fell. We didn't know why. We still don't know why. And she will tell you the whole story, but it was really bad. I think they thought she had a brain tumor. I think they thought she um, had a stroke. It still looks, in my opinion, like she had a stroke. I mean, her face is so swollen on one side. You can't. You can't, I mean, it, it, her teeth went through her lip. Um, it was fucking rough. And I was getting ready to go on. I, I was getting ready to start my day and she called and it, and she was scared, but you got to hear her tell the story because it's her story to tell. So please check out wife of the party. It drops tomorrow. It's with Sandy and with cat. Um, and by the way, August 20th is my wife's birthday. So if you get a chance tomorrow, because I, or, or maybe today, if you're hearing this now, I don't know when you'll hear this, but on August 20th, go to Leanne's Instagram or something. She's having a really, really, really rough time with, you know, the loss of Pris, obviously a new puppy. And then this, she is just beat up and she turns 50 and that is a rough birthday for some people, not for her. She's a savage. She's welcoming it, but I'm not there. And I don't know if the girls got her anything. I mean, it's just a fucking shit show. 
But you know what makes me realize that it's not that bad is that people are going through so much fucking worse. My anxiety is through the goddamn roof. I am so bad. I woke up to a tornado this morning shaking our fucking tour bus. Um, we're in New Jersey, and I'm, I'm just done. I am fucking done. I am fucking. And this coronavirus just adds a hint of cuntiness on top of everything is you can't, you have to be disrespectful to people. Like, excuse me, can you please keep your distance? So if, if I've been disrespectful to you on this tour and I've asked you to please stay, keep your distance from me, realize I am a fucking mess, okay? Like this has been such an amazing tour, but yesterday I woke up bad, like in a bad way. And I was just like, God damn it, man. I know I'm actually safer in this tour bus than I am at home. I mean, Liam was at the fucking hospital and the DMV in the last two days, three days. If anyone's getting coronavirus, it's fucking people in LA where there's a huge hotspot. I know I'm safer in Cape Cod where I'm farting. Sorry. I know that I'm safer in Cape Cod on a tour bus with seven dudes who are forced to socially have zero contact with everyone. We have not touched anyone. We haven't gotten near anyone, but it's a fucking virus. You never fucking know. You never know. It's a virus. You never fucking know. And I'm not sleeping. And then this, finally, when I do get a good night's sleep, I get a fucking text alert saying there's a, um, what did it say? I'll see if I can read it. National Weather Service tornado warning in this area until 10.30 a.m. This was delivered at 10.03. Take shelter now in a basement or an interior room in the lowest floor of a, of a sturdy building. If you're outdoors or in a mobile home or in a vehicle, move to the closest substantial shelter and protect yourself from flying debris. We were in a tour bus in a field with a stage set up with pi like pipes, a stage set up with pipes. There are pipes and there are tents everywhere with pipes holding them up. It was fucking, I, I don't need this shit. I don't fucking, the shows are so worth it. I mean, I'm having so much fun on stage and everyone, I feel like I gotten so many cool emails from you guys about thank you for allowing a little bit of normal back in your life and letting you and your husband or you and your wife go out and get dressed and get in the car and allowing you to see entertainment and be safe and be socially distant. I'm, I'm loving all of those. It's just, God damn it, man. I'm ready for, I'm ready for a break and I'm not getting one. I'm not getting one. And I need to get my shit together because I sound like a fucking shit show. I'm the luckiest man in the world. My wife is healthy. My daughters are healthy. I am healthy. My tour is going great. Everyone on my tour is healthy. So shut the fuck up, Bert and man up person up Bert as my daughters would say person up person up person up if you're having a rough time realize you're not the only one that's what I want to share with you is that if you're going through a rough time if your anxiety is fucking tweaking and your OCD is tweaking and you can't stop playing a game on your phone because you know that if you clear that board good things will happen to you and then you clear that board and then you go to the next board and you go if i clear that board good things will happen to me and i won't get coronavirus and my wife's not going to have a tumor it's i'm fucking a mess and i didn't drink that much last night but i'll tell you right now after that fucking tornado big boy tapped out i took a Xanax and i got in my bunk i said fuck the world i'm done i didn't touch a Xanax in so long i was like i'm not doing it i don't give a fuck I'm going to Macon, Georgia uh, this week, and I will be there uh, for a little while shooting a TV show. 
we got more podcasts coming out. We have a great podcast today. Great podcast. Um, I've known this guy for a while. He, when I first met him, he was um, doing the Bob and Tom tour. Uh, he is hilarious. And his, his new special is all about farming. I find that so fucking fascinating. You know why? Because guys like, you know, the trend in specials is just kind of shifting to like, what am I going to do? Tell, like Stan Hope was the first one to ever say this. What am I going to do? Tell you, um, tell you another stripper joke, another cocaine joke, another cigarettes joke, another dead hooker joke, another abortion joke. Like I remember him saying that one time and I was like, what are you talking about? And then when you do your first special, you're like, you go to do your next one and you're like, wait, I feel like I'm revisiting a lot of the same material. I went through that. I went through that with my last special and I didn't, I, what I did is I just tried to tried to rearrange my joke writing and take it in a different way and, and really challenge myself with story. Well, Greg Warren is doing that. And Ari did it too. Like Ari was like, I'm going to do this whole special about Jews. Like, and that's his whole special that he never got to, to, to tape is I'm going to make it all about Jews. And then Greg now is doing this and it's, it's called, what is it called? Everything in the, in the field with the corn, the field corn grows or the field corn grows where the field cone grows. And we talk about how he got in that. We talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about how he got into doing a special specifically about that and how it started and how he got there. And it's on Amazon prime right now. You got to check it out. He is so talented. He's one of the best comics working. And, uh, and luckily he's not in LA or New York anymore. So we'll be, he might be one of the only comics working after this pandemic, um, where the field corn grows on Amazon prime. He's an amazing comedian, ladies and gentlemen, I hope my intro read wasn't too much. It reminds me of my old school intro reads where I talked a little more. Um, but just know, suffice that if you are in a bad place and you need a distraction to get your mind off of what is going on in this world or happening to you and your family, there is always stand-up comedy. And Greg Warren has an hour waiting for you that you have not seen. It is on Amazon Prime, where the field corn grows. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my guest, Greg Warren. This is the Fucking how are you holding up, Greg? Holy oh, shit. I'm good, buddy. I'm, Isn't I'm this weird? Is this the weirdest fucking time in comedy ever? Yeah. Yeah. No, not even close to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, fucking everyone's leaving LA. There's an exodus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, think I got ahead of that about uh, <laughs> 14 years ago. <laughs> Where are you? Are you in St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in St. Louis. Yeah. We're yeah. coming by. We're coming through St. Louis in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, on the, the driving thing or whatever? Yeah, the driving thing, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. man, I got to check that out. Is that Come out, uh, come out do a set. I would love I'd that. love to, man. Is, yeah, is of there, course. Man, I wonder where that is because I know like a couple drive-ins that we used to go to as a kid, man. I'll tell you right now. It is, um, it is, man, my vision has gone so fucking bad. Like I can barely <laughs> see anything. Can't, no, it's not St. Louis. I'm sorry. I fuck up. Missouri, I fuck up big time. Yeah. Kansas City. Oh, good, man. I was just there uh, last week, actually, man. Oh, wait, where? At, uh, at Sanford and Sons? No, it was, uh, no, those, that's gone, man. Uh, For real? They're all dead. Yeah, those guys all so died. It was a smart move, cutting out, uh, cutting out before this fucking COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was at uh, the Comedy Club in Kansas City. It was pretty cool. I was, uh, 
I was with your boy, uh, Sean O'Brien, who I is, fucking uh, love that dude. Trust me, man. I'm really excited to do this podcast, but not near as excited as O'Brien. He's giving me lectures. He's like, listen, man, you can't screw this up, man. This is important. Like, he's, he, yeah, yeah. Why? Why do I like what is it about Sean O'Brien that we love so much? He's there's stupid. Some, I there's, mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's a great guy, man. And he's getting to be a really good comedian, too, man. It's, it's fun to watch. Watch him, uh, how, how good he's getting. Yeah, He's such a fucking fun guy to be around. He's, oh, he's, yeah. yeah. He yeah, reminds yeah. me of a throwback of like the kind of dude that actually brought a lunch pail to work, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, looks, like, uh, he looks like a blue-collar guy. And for a while, like he was like trying to dress up on stage. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not you, man. You, you, look, yeah. you look like uh, a garbage guy, you know? Like, uh, yeah. Don't you look at like guys like that? Don't you look at them and go, Man, you got all the tools are already right there. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're all the likability, the love of the, the character. Yeah. Everything's right there. All you got to do is just keep doing stand up. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, uh, it, like I said, it's, uh, it's starting to happen, man. Good, good. Uh, he, he is one of the more enjoyable dudes I've ever run into in stand up where, <laughs> where you want good things to happen. I always hoped that, do you think you were the guy that everyone wanted good things to happen to? Or do you think you were the guy that people talk shit behind your back? Um, honestly, man, you know, I think probably closer to the first guy. I don't really, yeah. I don't, I don't think I get to, I'm, no, I'm sure there's, you know, there's three or four guys. You're like, I don't get it with this guy, man. I don't know. <laughs> I can think of like three or four guys that, you know, when you started doing comedy, like there's like this group of open micers and those guys, Ooh. they're sure they got it figured out. And Dude. then, uh, and they're just like, I don't know why Warren's getting this stuff, man. He's just, I don't see it. He's not that good. You know, That's, there, there always was. <laughs> There always was a scene of comics who I always felt like knew who the managers were, knew who the agents were, knew who the bookers were, were friends with the bookers, like went to the booker would throw a party and they'd be there. They knew them. And I was never that fucking guy. And they always had <laughs> yeah. opinions on comedy and they never liked mine. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never, never. I had a couple guys. It's funny. Somebody, and it was like a guy, a couple guys that I liked, you know, uh, when I was living in New York a while back, I think it was Ari or somebody yeah. who, uh, you know, I don't know Ari well, but, uh, you know, I've always, uh, you know, enjoyed hanging out with him, but Ari was like, we were walking back and, uh, uh, one time from the cellar or something. And he's like, uh, yeah, man, I see all your, you know, like I see you all over these club websites and stuff, man. You'd be booking all, you work all the good rooms. He's like, uh, and he wasn't trying to be, <laughs> like he was just asking nicely. He's like, how do you do that, man? I mean, what have you done? <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Ari? I don't really know, man. There's a lot of radio over the years, a little bit of TV. <laughs> I'm not sure. I wonder the same thing sometimes, buddy. Well, no, I think those guys, I mean, I, I'll use Ari as an example. Ari never has, has never done the road. Like he does the road, but he does it yeah. his own way. He yeah. doesn't, he won't work the clubs that he finds corporate. He won't work the clubs that he finds. Like you're never going to see him doing, you know, 12 funny bones a year. It's right, just not his right. style. He, yeah, yeah. I think Ari also, I, I think, I, I don't know if he'd admit this, but he stylizes himself. He has a brand that he believes oh, yeah. in. Yeah. And that is really not giving a fuck. And yeah. Guys like me and you definitely <laughs> gave a fuck. Yeah, like, yeah. Probably to a fault. Yeah, I wish I, fault. I, yeah. I wish I had some of that, uh, um, you know, you know, not arrogance is the wrong word, but it, you got to have a little bit of arrogance, I think, in, in this business. But well, like, there's, there, there should be, there are people whose stand up, they, 
uh, this is going to come off wrong, but I've been using this example recently. There's people whose stand-up comes off as precious. Like it's, they're very precious about it and they just don't give it anywhere and they won't, they're not going to go over in the Addison improv, you know, yeah. but there are guys like me and you who go, no, I can pivot a little bit or, or I can yeah. trust me. I can figure out like an, uh, an all black room. I can work that out. I'll, I'll figure that out. Yeah, and I, I think d- that's what makes, <laughs> that's what I mean. But, there, but adversely there, guys like me and you would go in to the Dayton funny bone on a Thursday night with 35 tickets sold and bust our fucking ass into a sweat. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, it's like that. Everybody spent money to come here, even that there's, you know, everybody got a babysitter. It's like, I, I got to do my stuff. If I know these things, I got to make them laugh. It's funny you said in an all-black room, because, like, the first, like, one of the first TV breaks I got was this, um, it was a show on, on BET. It was, it was called Coming to the Stage. It was like the, uh, it was like the, kind of the, the BET's last comic standing. And, uh, they, I just kind of went on a whim. I was up at the funny bone hanging out and he's, and, uh, my buddy Matt was like, yeah, they got this BT, you know, competition or whatever. And I, uh, and I tried out and I got, I was like the white guy. It was fun, man. I was, you know, like how I get lost in a, you know, I don't stand out a lot sometimes when there's a ton of comics, (laughs) but this guy was, I was like the guy and the, all the black guys that they were the coolest to me, man. They, they treated me so well. And, uh, Paul Mooney was like, uh, one of the judges, man. I still remember this. Like on one of the rounds, he was the judges, and I was like, "Oh, this guy is famous for hating white people. He's made it made his bones hating white people." Famous, and, yeah, and, and famous, they, yeah, famous for hating white people. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, famous, yeah. And uh, and I went up there, and I was like, and, and I, you know, was a not as a weaker comic than I am today, but I, you know, I, I, I was able to, I was able to surf through the first three rounds, like because I, I had like. Oh, I got this material that I've tried in front of black crowds and I know they like it. And then they kept me on for like eight episodes. So those last five episodes, I was surfing, man. And it's fun. You know how people are like, you know, funny's funny. It doesn't matter whether it's a black crowd. No, no, there's a very, (laughs) there's, there's material that works in front of black crowds and that doesn't. So I get in front of Mooney and he, and uh, I I thought I was going to get shredded and he goes, "Uh, Oh, you, uh, you white, you white. But uh, That's a good I, I like my white people white. So you okay? You okay? And that, and that was the best. That was that was like I was happy. You know, he didn't, he didn't want some guy. I bet what Mooney dislikes more than white people is white guys who go up and soft shoe it for black audiences. Oh like, yeah, man. Yeah, like yo, yeah. Well, oh man, or or, or do a version <laughs> of what. You just were your, authentically yourself. It's, dude, it's the lesson. This is going to sound so silly, but um, you, know, you learn lessons in weird places in this business. And one of the biggest lessons I ever learned, and I wanted to be so fucking edgy. I wanted to be like the edgiest dude, like everyone walking really? out. Really? Oh, dude, I wanted to be that guy so bad. I never saw you when you were that guy, man, because you always seem like very authentic the times I've seen oh, you, you know? I was a phony. And then, <laughs> been a phony my whole career. <laughs> See, he, but I think one of those times, um, oh, I fucking lost my thought. Um, oh, oh, one of those lessons I learned, this is going to sound so silly, was Cedric and Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam. Oh, right? wow. So I'm watching it. I'm watching it because I know, I know Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's not who he is today, right, by right, the way. Right. He's not. He's just a comic at the time. Maybe he had done Soul Plane or something. Right. I bumped into him in the mall. Um, like I knew Kev, I knew Kev fairly well, you know, from the clubs. 
and um in new york and he goes up and i watch d ray da- no i'm not not slighting these comics that i'm about to mention yeah. d ray davis Aerie spears um and tommy davidson i think yeah and they had all gone up and kind of done the same derivation of like where the pimps at where the hoes at where the bitches at where the real players at this is what this weekend's about bitches and fucking money and it was i'm being i'm i am i am broad stroking it but i promise you if you went i mean Ari did impressions tommy did some high energy shit but they were all they opened up with like you know like very like pandering stuff and then i watched kevin hart go on and this is when i realized why kevin hart's a star and what i was doing wrong in my career his first joke was um i got two kids and i i realized i was looking at this crowd of black people and going oh what d right like where the pimps like be real be hard talk yeah. about music talk about you know all the shit and then you realize not you know not you can't just broad stroke paint every black person is, is like pimps hose and music you gotta that and kevin hart didn't he just said i have kids and then i realized everyone in that room probably has kids like a lot yeah. of people have kids and he just connected on the most commonest denominator and and he did material. He did straight material. And I realized Kevin Hart is fearless because yeah. he's going into this room that is 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 could be a fucking shit show. You're in a fucking arena of just and it's All Star Weekend, and he's going in with kid jokes. And I realized, hey man, you don't have to be the edgiest guy in the room. You just got to be yourself. Kevin Hart was being himself, and and it fucking just I sat. Wow. I must have watched that one set fucking ten times that night. Just watched it over and over. Because it was like such a juxtaposition of what was happening in the room, you know? See, here's the shame of that, Bert. You learned that that day years ago when you saw that. Now, I'm 51 and I just had to learn it right now. I mean, you know, I, 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 now I've now, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of time yet to implement, implement these lessons. You could have called your friend Greg at that point and be yeah. like, hey, <laughs> check out this Kevin Hart thing. I think it might do wonders for your career. But, but you know uh, what's funny? 51 is not 51 anymore. It, no, it is not. Care. When yeah. we were kids, 51 was done. Oh. Yeah, they were dead. Yeah, you were yeah. dead. There was, I didn't know. I couldn't name one 51-year-old comic. Not one. Not yeah. one. Yeah. And now all my friends are in their 50s. All my yeah. friends are in their 50s. I'm talking to Bill Burry. He's 53. And he's like, he's, yeah, he's like yeah man i can't world. wait to get back on the road and you're like yeah of course right right i don't know any 30 year old comics <laughs> yeah yeah man i was thinking what you know that uh you were talking about you know uh black comics and black crowds and you know you know stroop in columbus right yeah of course yeah. uh so he's a good buddy of mine and and you know when i would go headline the columbus funny but on the regular shows they'd always have an urban night on wednesdays and i'd always after my show i would stick around and be like, hey, like, I'm going to do a spot on the Urban Night. And I, it was great because they, they didn't expect anything of me. And they'd see a white guy get up there. And again, I had my 10 that I knew would slay uh, in, in front of a black audience. And they was like, this guy, man, I, we never thought he was coming. This guy's great. So one day, this is like, you know, a few years later, I've been doing it a lot. And they have the show. And Stroop goes, hey, man, um, we don't even have a feature. You always do well on that Urban Night. Why don't you just, why don't you just be the middle act? I'm like, yeah, 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 no problem, man. I'm like, I'm cocky, arrogant. I've done this seven times now and killed. And I got up there and the MC you've had, uh, uh, some MCs will do this, but there are some black MCs that are expert at it that kind of give you the introduction where you don't even know 
and the crowd doesn't even know that you're going on stage. He's yeah. like, all right, and this dude coming up right here, you know, and, it's, and you're like, wait, what am I, am I supposed to go on? So I still going. <laughs> so I got off to like a rough start and I got up there and I just was a little too comfortable. And I had about two jokes that did not land. And then I started going south and I, uh, and I hear this, I hear this, boo, oh. boo. And he, he, Bert, if, if you're ever getting booed in front of a, a, a black crowd, here's what you don't want to say. Are, uh, are you guys booing me? <laughs> boo! <laughs> boo! Motherfucker! Boo! Boo! <laughs> so I try to do, I try to do like 10 more minutes and I'm eating it hard. And it's just, it's just not going. It's not going to happen. And I get off early and, and Stroop never comes to the shows. He's never there because he's yeah. just been doing this forever. He's got so much to do during the day. And, uh, and Dave's a, he's a guy I've known forever and he's a very even keeled guy. And I come off stage and he's on the side and I've never seen him more joyous and happy oh, in my yeah. life. He's just laughing. He thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Then he tries to be cool to me. He's like, Hey, he, for, he tries to, he's like, hey, buddy, don't, ah! <laughs> he just can't even, he can't keep it together. I've never seen him happy, that happy since, man. It was, <laughs> he, he was, he was, I provided him with so much joy eating it dude, that night. Man. Dude, I, uh, there's nothing worse than getting a bad intro at an all, like I got, and it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just par for the course, but D-Ray Davis brought me up on Mo Better Mondays. D-Ray used to do Mo Better Mondays. Oh, oh at the improv, right? At, at Melrose? Improv, sold yeah. out. I know D-Ray, right? Yeah, I know yeah, me too. Back from way back. Yeah. yeah and, and he just gives me the shittiest <laughs> intro. Like, just like he, he's reading it off a card and he doesn't know it's me. He just goes, and this next guy is Brent. All right. And I'm just like, doesn't say my, like, looks at my last name, bails on it, right? I go up, sees me, he's like, oh shit. And then I'm like, you want to help me a little bit out? I'm in a hole already. I haven't even got on stage. I get on stage, and my opening joke is, um, is, uh, it's a queer eye for the straight guy joke about oh, no. Duran Duran. Yeah, right? yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And that's it flatlines <laughs> so hard. Woman in the front row goes, I don't even know who either of those is. And I'm like, Duran or Duran. I don't know yeah. either one. And then, and, and, and the LA Times was there writing an no. article on the black comedy scene. Oh, no. And I, and I go, I go, I said, I said something. I, whatever is back when you could make jokes about just about like this is back when no one was filming and you just had to live by the skin of your teeth. And yeah. if you had to go crazy, you went crazy. And I made a joke. I think I said something of, uh, oh, I didn't realize you people. And as soon as I said, you people, oh, no. the crowd goes nuts. And they go, Oh, I didn't even know there was that many of you in here. I go, some of you in the back blink. I can't see. And the place goes fucking nuts. Right. Uh, yeah. It's going great. It's a bold but it's going move great and it paid you, off because you lean into it. Yeah, and then yeah, I tell the yeah. story about fighting a black guy at night. And the fucking place is going crazy. And I get it. I have a great set. And the LA Times wrote it up as like comedian Burt Kreischer started off with a Duran Duran joke and then leaned in. And it was like, it was like a nice write up. But wow. I got off and D Ray's like, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, that's fine. You, you can't, you, you can't, no, it's, it's one of those things. Burt has talked about, Burr has talked about doing uh, black rooms really changed the way he wrote because he thought the shit. You say in a white room has to be able to work in a black room too. If you if you're wow. doing stuff that's too, and by the way, I'm paraphrasing it. Paraphrasing it. Anytime you say sure. anything about Burr, he always takes the opposite fucking point of view. <laughs> so like, 
So I'm, I'm in a hole in this already. But he was like, he was like, I would take my shit that I was working on and go into it. And ta- Talent used to have a room in New York that was amazing. This guy Talent, and uh, I think Will Smith had it too. And it was oh wow, Sunday nights at the Boston Comedy Club was fucking insane. But um, but yeah, I haven't. I I wouldn't mind doing. It. I guess there's not going to be any black rooms. There's not going to be any fucking rooms for a while. No, there's no rooms. What's man. going on? What's going to happen? What I mean, are, are, are clubs are open, but they're not totally so socially distanced, right? Yeah, I just spent like three weeks doing uh, clubs, and um, they were doing they were doing a good job. I mean, they they did everything they were supposed to, but it's just really hard to get people out. You know, uh, people are nervous, and I don't blame them. You know, I, I don't it, blame you know, them either. Yeah, and uh, it was it was fun to do comedy again, but. Uh, I don't, man, Bert. I I think you I think you got the right idea with the outdoor stuff because I, I think it may be another. I we're looking at twenty one before people feel real comfortable. I think probably a vaccine or something. It's gonna. I don't. I mean, I I think it's gonna have to be some sort of treatment is available that yeah. we can count on, so people go. Oh, I'll go out get it, get the antibodies, get the treatment, and take a a Z pack or something. There's but, gonna be um, some like. Uh, not very strong comic that like works an angle where he's got the treatment, you know, like uh, I, I, with, I, I've already thought of this. I've already thought of this. <laughs> Craig, I've already thought of this. I was, I was like, I want to do, I want to do the two 2021. I got the vaccine tour. And I just get a vaccine <laughs> treatment set up. When you walk in, you get a shot. Everyone's like, oh, go see a comedy show and get back vaccinated. And was he funny? I, I had the vaccine, man. You had the vaccine. <laughs> Was, but was he funny? I don't remember. He had, I mean, he had the vaccine. It was great. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's crazy because I I'm going to Macon, Georgia for a month. I'm gonna live in Macon, um, for doing I'm doing a show and a TV show, and then I thought I want to set up an open mic. Like I want to set up, yeah. like I can like I can do the Chappelle thing where I find a field, yeah, a field, set up an open mic, socially distance everyone, let them bring their cars out or whatever, yeah, and do, and do small batch comedy. Like you don't need to do you do like I mean a hundred cars is a lot. But you do fifty cars, and and you bring fifty cars into a field, and you know you set like, that I'm, up, man. I'll drive down to Macon from St. Louis. I, I was, me, and I o, thought, me and O'Brien will drive down, man. You set that up. I've been to I, Macon. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love yeah. to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. There's a minor league baseball team reached out to me, and they're like, "We can set something up." And you're like, "Yeah, but I don't want it. Like, I don't want it to be. I want it to be intimate. Yeah. You know, I don't want it to be seven hundred cars. I want it to be, and I don't want it to turn into a cash grab. I want to do something where you can do it." Every Thursday night while I'm right. down there, every Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, I just like, I'm bummed that the thing that I do, the thing that I do for a living, you just knowing you can't, it's, it's really a pain in the ass to do right now. Yeah, it'll be back though. I mean, I, you know, it'll, I mean, uh, my buddy uh, was saying, you know, like after the Spanish flu or whatever, that, I, that was like, what, 1918 or 1919? I mean, the roaring twenties came after that. So like, it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be back and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Just, uh, just be ready, you know, have, have new material, have new stuff. And I, uh, I was very lucky with this drive-in tour is, um, I had already had a new hour from my wow. special. And so I was very lucky that I could do the tour and have all new material. Right. What's the, what's what in the world is more, I'm not, aside from your kids, what in the world is more valuable than a new hour? <laughs> I'm, I would argue there a new hour is more valuable than my kids. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my daughters have never brought me the joy that a new bit has. A new bit is like so fucking valuable. Like, oh, it's, it's, 
I don't think anyone understands it, especially I was trying to say to someone, it's not even the day you figure it out. It's the day before you figure it out. The, the, like the show where you kind of tell it right. And you go, get me up on stage one more time. I got this bit. I got this. Yeah. I, 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 it kind of worked, but now I know it's gonna, like, I, I, I got something here. I got something. Oh, it's the greatest feeling in the world. And I, it sucks that you don't have clubs to work out bits. And I did a run of clubs when I did the first drive-in movie theater tour. And it, it just being on stage and fucking around and fucking around, yeah. just fucking around was so much fun of like, not like, cause you know, when you do, when you do these drive-ins, you kind of got to do material. Like you got to be a little focused because you are at a distance from everyone and you need oh, to yeah. hear the laughter. And, and if you fuck around and you get off point and you, you can lose them really easily. So, um, but man, those clubs were like so much fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. That you're like, yeah. God, I, I want the store. I mean, that's why everyone's leaving LA because I don't know when the store is ever going to open again. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's such a cool thing for you guys. You guys got, that place is, it's the Mecca now, right? I mean, when I lived in LA, it wasn't that great. You know, the, the improv was the place, but now I mean, it's thing, like, I got to be honest with you, man. I'm looking at what's going on. I mean, two cancels have been, two comics have been canceled, right? Two big store comics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogan's moving. Joey Diaz is moving. Uh, you know, Burr just had a baby, so he's not going to be in and out anytime soon. Sebastian just had a baby. Like, you start looking at it, and you're like, things are shifting. Like, there's a real paradigm shift in comedy, and, and it's interesting. I don't know if you feel it, but, like, I, some of the subjects you want to talk about, you can feel people tensing up. Like, whoa, bro. Really? Like, yeah, I... I, I I had a joke that I told on my last special that was like one of my favorite jokes I've ever, ever written in my life. And I told it, I told it in, I told it in one scenario and you could hear people just being like, Whoa. Yeah. Humada, humada, humada. And you're like, fuck. I, but there's that, 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 that they're going to always be there. I mean that, uh, that the special that I just put out is about. Tell everyone real quick where they can find it and everything before I, we've, I, cause I'll, I'll forget. Oh, it's it's on Amazon Prime. It's called the Where the Field Corn Grows, uh, and the special is about farming. You know, it's 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 about what I don't know about farming, and you know how <laughs> stupid I am when it comes to farming. And I actually visited farms, and and I shot it in front of a bunch of farmers. You, you know, uh, there was a lot of farmers were in the crowd, and uh, you know, I I put it out, and I was getting all these great messages, and I got this one joke about daylight savings time and farm, you know, we, we do a lot for farmers, including daylight savings time. And, um, I, you know, I get all these messages that are great. And then it's, you know, the first day it's out, I'm a farmer's wife and fuck you for your joke about daylight savings time. Like you can't not offend somebody, man. She was furious about my joke about that. And it was not, it was not an offensive joke. And it was farmers love the joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I had, uh, I had so much, I have so much past offensive material that have, has just ripened more offensive as of late. Yeah. Like, you just like, where you're like, and then you go, God, man, like, and then you start going, I, that make, it makes me as a comic want to lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, you got, um, you got a lot of balls when it comes to that kind of stuff, which is good. I, mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I was, um, I feel like I was, I was definitely ballsier when I was younger. I think now I, now there's subjects like 
that I, I, you know, I, I, you say it and then everyone's knee jerk reaction when you say something like kind of in, in maybe insane or intense or comedic and you working on a bit like is like, Whoa, what? Yeah. Whoa. And you're like, Hey, you can't do that. You shut down my thinking. Like when you do that, you make me think I'm actually fucking crazy and possibly a horrible person. Like, just let me get through the thought first. You know? Sure. And then even if you get through that thought, there will be somebody that's drunk that hears the wrong thing. They, all they hear is two keywords, two keywords in the bit, and they just they they assume they know that they're like, oh, I know, I know what this guy's doing. I'm like, well, you didn't listen. There's 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 not a lot of room for nuance, and that's because a lot of people digest a lot of social media, and there is no there's no there's room no for fucking nuance on social yeah, media. Yeah. So this podcast is brought to you by Hims. Talking to a doctor sometimes can be embarrassing. It's not the best option for men. That's what I love about Hims. Hims was created by a man who knew that a lot of the conversations that men want to have are so much easier to have online. Just to Google it yourself, find the answer, and then solve it there. That's the way men operate. Women love doctor's appointments. Men love to solve it on their own. This is what I love about Hims. If you're dealing with erectile dysfunction, you can deal with you don't have to go to one of those in-person doctor's visits and have a conversation with them at hymns they're going to connect you with a medical professional online for a confidential review and if appropriate send prescription treatment right to your door direct and discreet these are real prescription medications that treat ed real science real solutions hymns makes it so easy a licensed medical professional and you will talk online and then they can provide an FDA approved prescription medication to treat ED. These are the same active ingredients that are in that tiny little pill that everyone brags about and takes out to clubs and parties with, but without the expensive price tag. This will cost hundreds of dollars if you had to go through a doctor or a pharmacy, not with Hims. Hims makes it simple and affordable and it's not embarrassing. There's no expensive appointment. You just answer a few cool questions online about your medical history and a provider will confidentially review, and if approved, medication shipped directly to your door. Discreet, package, and free shipping. No more searching online for questions about ED. Let's get solutions. Go to Hims and get your answers. Why live with ED when the solution's that simple? Try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash BurtCastED. That's BurtCasted for your free visit. That's forhims.com slash BurtCasted. Bertcast E D F O R H I M S dot com slash Bertcasted. Prescription products are subject to a medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember that's forhims.com slash Bertcast E D. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, or if you're in a bunk in a tour bus and you want to listen to a podcast. You need a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a pair, you got to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at half the price of the premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as the top audio brands. I can let you know that because I did a sound test. I have like four or five of the really expensive pair. I would pick them up at airports and then kind of like not know I had them. And, and then I had them on my treadmill. I got the Raycon ones, the everyday E25 earbuds. And they're the best one yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, and just as much, if not more bass, I would say more bass and a compact design that gives you a nice 
noise isolating fit. I love them because I can throw them in and they can lay on my pillow and fall asleep and I don't feel them. They're that small. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or for me binging podcasts. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to detract, distract anyone during a phone call. Company is founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, who should be my best friend in like two weeks, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, Mike Ty- they're all obsessed with Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash BurtCast. That is buyraycon.com slash BurtCast for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash BurtCast. I might like my, my stuff's, I've always sort of avoided some of that stuff. Not, not necessarily. It just, it just sort of was where I went. I started writing pretty clean about five years ago. And it's, you know, that's about what was it, it is. Five years ago. When, what was, when, what was your earlier stuff like? It was never raunchy and, uh, but it was probably a, a you know, a, a little more racy. It, it, you know, I probably talked about race more, um, which yeah. I talk about in this special and there, and somebody lit me up on uh on amazon for that and and it's completely unfounded because the bit is harmless it's just a, wait what was the what's what's the bit and what was the lit up, light up i uh did a joke about uh, when i was you know i wrestled when i was in uh high school and college and and uh when i was in in high school my dad was the coach and i was you know the coach the team was primarily black my my freshman year you know and uh, my i knew all these guys um, I knew all these guys on the wrestling team and my dad, when I was like in eighth grade or sixth grade would have me go up and work out with those guys. So like when I went to high school, my first year, you know, when you're there, your first year day of high school, you're like, oh, I'm a little, I don't, don't want to get beat up. I'm not. I, I was almost arrogant because I knew all the guys on the wrestling team. I knew this guy, Byron Blasting Game, who was the toughest guy in the whole school or the whole state. Like everybody was afraid of Byron. He was like the guy was he was everybody's afraid of him. And he was he was really cool with me because of my dad and he knew me. And like every time I saw Byron in the hallway for like two years, he'd see me go, Lil Warren, where your daddy at? Like that that the where your daddy at, Lil Warren? Like that, like that was Byron's way of saying hi. You know, like, yeah. like he he didn't really want to know where my dad was. Uh, but I was like a dorky white kid. So like, I, I, I think he's at the bank, Byron. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Lil Warren say his daddy at the bank, you know? And, and then the bit goes on. I'm like, you know, thank God, you know, I got it after a while. I would see him and, you know, I was, uh, you know, where your daddy at, Lil Warren? Hi, hi, Byron. Hi. You know, and then, uh, you know, thank God later in life, like, uh, he, Byron never needed to know where my dad was like in a, you know, in like an emergency situation. Lil Warren, the gym on fire. Where your daddy at? Uh-huh. Where your daddy at, Byron? And so <laughs> no, that's the joke. And it's, you know, it's true. It's harmless. And somebody just couldn't help themselves. It was like kind of funny comedy. But 12 minutes in, he's a white guy doing a black guy's voice in, 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 in 2020. And I'm sorry. It's a little tone deaf. And I'm like, a little you know, tone I, deaf. A little. By the way, that yeah, person was never on. meant to watch your comedy and they were never meant to watch comedy in general. Like she probably had an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. She I mean, has an agenda. Again, it, and that's yeah. her, that's what makes her happy is to find things to light people up about. And listen, yeah. listen, I do. I, I can understand the complaint of, of like, like 
There are voices I won't do, but black dudes' voices is not in that mix. I've well, always- if he's a black dude, that you, if it's a real black person, yeah. if it's this two-dimensional stereotype, uh, you know, shemofo, but a lean to the bone, like, you know, if it's that- Shemofo, <laughs> but a lean to the bone. Uh, or, you know, uh, uh, say my man. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not, but I mean, like, I, I uh, you know, it's, the stuff I was doing on BET, th- that was the stuff that people enjoyed the most. So it's, it's uh, yeah. you know, it's it's a way, it's your, do- especially when you are a little richer of a comic and, and you can go into characters why wouldn't you add a character's voice that is authentic to that character to make help paint the picture better? Now, I do understand that, like, I can understand, I don't, personally, I don't put black men in that group. I don't, because I think, I think that there is no, I don't think you're punching down when you do a black man's voice. I don't. Yeah. Um, I personally don't, but I have also done a lot of black men's voices in my comedy, and I enjoy black dudes immensely. I always, every, someone pointed out to me, every special, I have an interaction with a black dude that's one of my favorite bits. And it's really? true. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because, but I don't know, man, I've always been, I've always been a big fan of hip hop and, and, and I've always found black dudes to be my favorite comedic foils. Like I'm so, such a white guy that whenever I interact with a black guy, it's always, there's always some, I'm always the goofy fucking. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The straight man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the straight man. Yeah. And so, and so, um, now I do understand if you, I like, I can understand maybe if you're doing like an Asian person's voice and you're, and you're just making fun of the way they sound. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think, I, I do understand the, the essence of the point. And I, I, and I, I empathize. I sincerely do. Uh, I watched the movie, um, all about Apu or something. The Harry, oh yeah, yeah, Harry, Harry Chronicle, yeah, 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 yeah. That he did, and it was very, it was a fascinating take on something I found innocuous, and 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 it was an interesting. It's dude, it's it's about yeah, yeah. Like I want to hear all everyone's thoughts, yeah. But I don't. I think what's happened is that there are so many. I'm assuming white women and white men that are, you know, very that they're just simply looking to make sure everyone knows that they're woke. So they're lighting people yeah. up for reasons that they think are offensive. Now, our doctor, we just put our dog down. And I've been debating about this. Yeah, I just uh, Colleen just told me that, man. I'm sorry, oh, buddy. It was I horrible, literally man. heard that today, man. Yeah. Our doctor is Indian. Uh, our, do- our vet has been Indian. Our, we've had five knee surgeries on this dog. This doctor knows this dog very well, but he's Indian. And he has a very, um, very... Uh, I guess you'd say the word stereotypical, but like a very distinct Indian accent, like very up and down. And it's funny because I won't do his accent when I'm doing, telling a story of what he said, but my wife, my daughter, all my wife's friends, all our kids, anyone who's ever been to this fucking vet does his accent because it's very, it's a very authentic Indian accent. Like, like up and down like yeah and it's fun i think people think it's fun to do i don't do it because i saw harry's movie but i am doing a bit i want to do a bit about putting my dog down and i feel like you're missing out on a little bit of the story if i don't tell you how sweet this doctor is when you hear his voice you just know he cares like when when you hear the way when he and i'm i'm when you hear the way he said oh no when we when we put down Pris, his like it's just it had more to it than just oh no it was like yeah you no know? yeah, yeah. and so yeah. so there the i am debating luckily yeah, in, luckily whenever i do an in if i ever try to do any 
ethnicity's accent other than black dude, it always just turns into pirate. So <laughs> I was doing a bit, I was doing a bit before everything locked down about uh, these Japanese porns that um that uh, I was watching this and it's this stop motion. It's like this guy pretends that he has a remote control that can freeze time. So he's in a room at an office and he just freezes time. And then he just goes around and molests everyone while they're frozen, right? It's a weird porn, but I, I saw it and look, I didn't even, it wasn't like I was turned on by it. I was fascinated. I was fascinated at the fact that he got people to part- porn stars to just be frozen and then just be molested. Like it was such a weird, so I was doing an impression of this guy. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. It's this Japanese guy. And look, I don't want to do the accent, but he's like, all right, mate, we're going to do a little bit of this here. And I did a, <laughs> I started doing a very rich British accent. And I'm like, oh, I want to take my tabs on the titties. Okay. So he's a Japanese guy. So, you know, he's really like, oh, okay, I'm going to blow this out, mate. And I was doing a bit about that. And it was you, fun. Wait a minute, you substituted a, a, a British accent for a Japanese accent. Yeah, for a Japanese, just saying. And then everyone's got confused. And I said, Oh no, that's what they sound like. Like you just, yeah, right, guys. And everyone starts <laughs> laughing, like you know. But it, it is, it is, it is interesting because no one has a problem doing a white guy's accent. Oh yeah, 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 and, yeah. and making them look like absolute fucking fools. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it myself sometimes. Yeah, yeah I'll do I, a I do white guy, and I'm like, why don't I just? I am a white guy, but I'm doing the, you know, like it's probably more offensive when I do that. Like everybody's an accountant. No one has a problem doing a gay dude's accent. That that made a lot of people money in the eighties. Yeah, it did. It did, man. That, but I think there's reasons. Like I think as comics, it's like part of the reason you avoid the Indian or the gay dude accent is it's like uh, it's just been done so many times, and it's that same. It's it's almost uh, it, it's just such an easy place to go. Uh, but yeah, I there heard, was some guys. I heard that, a black guy. I heard a black guy say the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. But if you didn't put the black guy voice on it, it doesn't sound cool. He, it was, he was, he, it was on, uh, I was on an HBO Pimps and Hoes show or something like where it was like, it was about, you know, like they used to do that Pimps and Johns. I remember Pimps Up, Hoes Down. Was that it? Pimps Up, Hoes Down with like Ice-T was like uh, no. with it? No, no, it was, it was, um, it was about prostitutes uh, working in Long Island. Okay. And this guy just got out of jail, I think. And he, his, I'll say it without the accent so you can hear how bad it is. He said, can a player, can a player get some conversation? <laughs> but when he said it, it was so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, 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 can a player get some conversation? And it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like, I wish I could. You know, you think about like, when you think about accents, like I've been listening to a lot of Snoop Dogg. And just, it was just, we just drove out to Arizona and I, and, and I, Murder Was a Kind of Dream about the song Murder Was the Case. It was, we used to be like my, my all time favorite song. And I started playing Snoop Dogg. And my daughters know who Snoop Dogg is, but they never listened to his music. They know him as like a chef and like a fucking right. entrepreneur. They don't know him. And my daughter Isla said, he sounds like he is the coolest guy in the world. Wow, really? And yeah, because Snoop <laughs> had a thing where he'd, yeah, like, how he would he would grab it back he'd grab the word back at the end like and it was it just all of a sudden i couldn't not hear just snoop the way he talks like it it just is beautiful it's beautiful and yeah and then i started going like in hip-hop is it more important what you say or how you say it 
Because you think about it, all the best rappers, it, the way they speak, the way they articulate their words, meaning pronunciate their words. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't mean this. I don't mean like I'm just saying like the way they emote their words. That is what you take away. Like you could almost do impressions of rappers without saying the words. And then I started going. I think it's more important how you say it than what you say. If you can do both, it's great. But I think there's a lot of guys that got away that weren't great rappers, but just sounded interesting, you know? Those are probably the guys, and I'm not a huge uh, uh, consumer of rap. Uh, you can tell that by the way I just said that sentence. But, consumer uh, <laughs> of rap. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, that, that makes sense. Those would, I would probably get fooled by the guys where it didn't matter what they were saying. Because... Yeah, it's music for me is like the opposite of comedy. I don't want to ruin it. Like I have some of comedy where I just like uh, people just get, shake the head and get sickened if they, you know, they hear what I'm listening to or I, you know, just or I don't appreciate uh, Radiohead or whatever. And 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 they and I'm like, yeah, man, I know, I know, but I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm surface level. It's pathetic. I would if I heard somebody talk about comedy the way I talk about music, I, I would be like, what, what's wrong with you? But yeah. I'm not gonna change, man. I'm I'm not, and I'd probably get fooled by you know, the people that just say things and are really saying nothing, but they're just saying it in a stylistic manner. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I was saying to someone the other day, the correlation between comedy and music and you go like, who is like Bill Burr is ACDC, you know, like, like that fucking it's like, and, and you go, you know, Mitch Hedberg is the cure or Radiohead. Like right, you look right. at those guys and do the correlations of who is who. And then I was trying to think, who am I? Like, who do you think you are musically? Like, if you had to translate oh, your act God, into music, man. who would you oh, be? God, it's probably going to be somebody like England Dan and John Ford Coley or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> this is probably not the best way to promote a special. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. my comedy is England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, oh. man. Uh, <laughs> what, was, what was your, what, what made you want to write, do the whole thing about farming? You know, I was, it, it happened, uh, I was in Iowa, you know, you'd done Des Moines, right? And, yeah, I love uh, Des Moines. Yeah, I've always liked it there. And I, it just happened innocently. I was talking to this guy and I go, uh, what do you farm? You know, and he, it was a, there, there was a bunch of farmers in the crowd. I go, what do you farm? And he said, uh, beans. And I said, uh, you mean like green beans? And the whole place just starts laughing at me. Like I'm the dumbest person. He thinks we go green beans in Iowa. Oh, that's a good one there. Green he beans. We got green beans in Iowa. Green beans. In Iowa. Don't that beat all this fella is a comedian. Like it was, it was, it was soybeans, Sissy, sissy, he thinks daddy's going green beans. He thinks we're going green beans. Look, you got to come on over here, this fella. I never see it. was like a Def Jam crowd. They were like, you know, like I was, and uh, it was soybeans, which I, I don't know, which by the way, Bert, you know, green beans, not that ridiculous of an answer. That's a real food. I've eaten them before. I didn't yeah. say jelly beans. I didn't say Mexican jumping beans. I, I said a legitimate vegetable. So I, so I was doing that. You know, I, I just told that story a couple of times. And then, and then this lady comes up to me after the show, this farm lady, and she's like, hey, you know, don't feel bad about the beans. She's like, uh, I met this guy the other day. Uh, he didn't know the difference between field corn and sweet corn. And I was like, uh, ha ha, 
uh, what a dumbass, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, which by the way, you know, the difference, by the way, I know, no, not at all. Field corn is, uh, you know, what, what they feed the animals. Okay. Uh, I, I, and, I, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of thought they call it. Yeah. And sweet corn is what we eat. And once they explain it real easy to remember because field corn is grown in a field, whereas sweet corn is grown in a field. So you can see they, uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I started telling that story a little bit on stage, you know, just kind of as like, you know, a new joke or something. It's like this, I just ran in these farmers. And then, uh, my buddy, Joe list, um, <clears throat> was in the crowd. He was doing it. He was in, in St. Louis and he was hanging out and I did a spot on his show. And he's like, dude, that bean thing, you got to do, you got to do more of the bean thing, you know, talk more about that. And I, I always trust Joe's judgment. And then I, uh, Jack Vaughn at Sirius, who's a guy I've, I, uh, have tr- been really good to me for a long time. And, uh, I, he was like, I thought I had a new CD. And he's like, what's it about? I'm like, a lot of different stuff. I got this stuff on farming. And he's like, no, nah, man, you don't have a CD. You need to do all stuff. on." <laughs> he's like, you got you to gotta make it, like, you got to double down on this farming thing. And uh, so, it, you know, it's not all about farming, but that's def- definitely the central theme, you know? That's great. Uh, I've been, it was almost like that show that you did when you traveled and stuff like that, man. Yeah. Like, you know, not quite that, that involved, but I, I went and learned, like I, I went to farms and, uh, and talked to these guys and I've never, I never researched a bit. I never written about anything except for what that just popped in my head that, you know, that week or whatever. Yeah. So I, I was like, I have an assignment now. So I went and talked to farmers and, uh, these guys were great, man. They, they're rich. A lot of them. Did you know that? Like these no. guys, these, some of these Midwestern guys, these farmers are Really, like those tractors that you see, some of them are like seven hundred thousand dollars, man, just for the combine thing. But these guys, the whole thing is, if you, the only way that you get really rich is like every generation just keeps having kids that want to farm, you know. So you have to have at least one of your kids interested in farming, or it's all over, and you got to sell the land to the neighbor, basically. Really? Yeah, which makes probably for some very like you know creepy neighbors, you know, lurking on, I heard your boy's afraid of farm animals, Fred. <laughs> you ready to sell me them acres? You know, it's like, no, Steve, he got bit by a goat. He's nine. I'm not, I'm not saying my boy to bit that goat right back and milk him right there on the spot. You know? Um, so yeah, I went and I was stupid. I, I called this one guy. I go, uh, I was going to visit his farm and I go, Hey, uh, are the crops still up? Like I, 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 like they were fr- Christmas decorations, Bert. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still up. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna take them down in a week. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really, uh, but they were they were really kind, and then it you know it sort of came around and uh, yeah. So that's um, fucking, where did you film it? I filmed it in Edwardsville, Illinois, which is about forty five minutes from St. Louis, and it's it, like surrounded. It's a cool little town, but it's surrounded by farms. So. Um, I had to, you know, I, I wanted farmers in the crowd. So I, yeah. uh, I wanted it somewhere. So they want to shoot it in LA, the production company. I was like, no, man, this is not. Who produced it? Uh, 800 pound gorilla. Oh yeah. Wait, who is that? I just, uh, I, I just saw them on something the other day. They're sort of like the biggest, um, uh, record label now in, in comedy. They've, they've done a couple records of mine and they've done r- really cool. And then they just got into video. They did Eddie Pepitone's, uh, I, I think what, along yeah, with yeah, Bill, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, they yeah. did. Eddie Pepitone special, which is amazing. And uh, so, yeah, 
they were like, they was like shooting in LA because the, you know, the, the producer was out there and all those guys like, this is not, this is not an LA special guys. I want to, no. I want farmers in the crowd. So that's great. I wonder how you market to farmers. I wonder how you get the works. The farmers predominantly aren't big on social media, right? Yeah, I mean, there we've been fine in some ways. Like I did some interviews with some ag places, and uh, you know, got on, did a couple. Um, I'm, I'm reaching out to like the FFA. There's a bit in there about the FFA, and then uh, these guys, those 800 pound gorilla guys, are sort of genius at finding. That's their whole thing is they can get on Facebook and find this little micro niche thing. So so far oh, so, so good. Cool. Yeah. That's, um, and, and but yeah, that's, that's so that so yeah, that's why. I'd say England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. <laughs> That's interesting. It's amazing how impressionable we are when it comes to like our friends liking a bit and then going, oh, like, really? yeah, man. It's a shame. It's shameful. I should have more confidence. I do have confidence in myself, but there's a couple guys that'll be like that right there. And I'll be like, all right, man, I trust you, you know? Yeah. And also, it makes me try to be a better person. And like, I remember. You, can you remember like on the way up, there's like three or four guys along the way up. He was like, Hey man, you're doing a good thing, right? You're like, when, when you really need to hear it, you know, like, like yeah. just be like, Hey man, like Billy Gardell, uh, early on in my career, I worked with him and, and I, you know, I was still struggling. I sucked, you know, but he's like, yeah, man, that third joke, that was really, really good, man. You got to do more of that stuff. So I try now to be like, yeah, that, you know, it really it means something. I, I was talking about um, uh, hiring dudes I respect that are older than me to like vet my set. Like Ari does something similar to that. I don't know. Really, Ari does something. I don't want to give away his his uh, his cheat code or what he's not cheat code, but like his like fix. It's really fascinating because the, the way Ari approached it. But um, but for me, I I. I I got to a place where I thought, and this sounds really silly, but I was like, I want to get people's notes, but I don't want everyone's notes. Like I, no. I was like, part of the trick is part of the magic trick is this is what I can do on my own. Yeah. And it, it, I have a really hard time vetting what bits. Cause sometimes I think a bit is brilliant and some people see it from the outside and be like, I, I think it's pretty pedestrian, but I'll be like, no, no way, the man. Part I love it. The part I love about it, is this part. And they're like, Oh, okay. I didn't see it that way. So I, I don't know, man. I think that if you think it's funny, it's funny. It was advice I got from a manager. If you, you think it's funny, it's funny. You got to believe it. Like if you think it's funny, it's funny. Now you may not be explaining it in the best way, but eventually like if you have this idea, it's gold man. it's, it's gold. Don't lose the idea. Yeah. And I, and I, I definitely, um, there are bits that I did not value that then someone I respected sent my way and we're like we're like yo i love that bit this is why yeah. and then you're like oh fuck yeah um, my my only two people i can ever remember saying something about my stand-up that it meant something to me like were jim norton and david tell wow uh, that's that's a couple good ones man yeah, yeah jim norton was the first person to ever tell me good set ever ever to say good set good job and david tell said uh there was one joke man and i hung my dick on this joke because david tell said he liked it I said when I was in when I was a kid, I there was a movie Beat Street about tagging, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's what I gotta do. I got to tag in my neighborhood." So I got the spray paint that my dad painted my sister's bike with, and I went to our front entrance of our of our subdivision, 
And I just, right next to Faircloth Estates, I wrote, and then I, and then I stepped away from it and I went, fuck, I'm the only Bert in this neighborhood. <laughs> so I had to write socks, dick underneath it. And Attell came up to me and he goes, that's a good fucking joke. And oh, I that's told great, that joke man. every fucking show. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, every- that's, that's really cool, man. That's, uh. Yeah, and, and 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 he's probably not not a guy that like says that a ton. He's a really nice guy, but he's you know, a great he, yeah. guy. Um, he's one of my fa- he's one of my favorite 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 comics. He has jokes that he throws away that would be tent poles in my act. Yeah, yeah, and he he also probably does that joke four different ways. Yeah, you know, he has like four different endings. Yeah, he's genius, man. I, you know, I, like he he there's like he has some gifts that I'm not sure. I don't think I have. Like he's, he's just, he sees the world in a very, very, and he's so quick, man. He's uh, so quick. He, he, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely idolize him. Like just the well, way. Did you writes. have anybody like, um, like from a storyteller, uh, no. perspective, like that you admired? Cause you, you, you know, that, or did you just figure that all out? I mean, I figured, so I did, um, I, I, ne- I, 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 I would say I, I would say I was a storyteller when I was younger, but I really wasn't in that if it got hairy, I'd just bail on it. Like I, yeah. I'd start a story and then be like, no, it's not working. Go, 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 go. You don't have the tools at that point to, to tell that, to, to keep yeah. the ball in the air. Yeah. And the only person I knew that was a storyteller was Berbiglia. Like, yeah, that was he's the a only real person. good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, but his storytelling was so Mike Berbiglia. Like, yeah, yeah. Was, it's like there was no way to emulate what he was doing because he was doing his own thing so independent of everyone that you were like well i can't just take his thing no so so i when i the first telling the machine story was the first thing that changed the way i did stand up and that was because i i it gave me a like it gave me a skill set to be able to hold a room for 13 minutes on one subject and then once i could do that there i was like oh i can do this on just about anything wow so i started after I learned how to tell, and it took me like a year before I knew how to tell that story, even kind of good. Even at a year, it wasn't even, I would yeah. say it took me four years to tell that story. Yeah. But, um, and then it changed the way I looked at everything. And I was like, oh, I can tell, I can basically turn everything into a story. And then I got to a place where I was like, hold on. So you're telling me I have four bits for this special, like four fucking stories. Like, let's get out of story. Let's like, and so like, I think I did it better in secret time, but in secret time, I definitely, I took that angle of telling secrets and was able to chunk up my stories and put secrets inside them. Um, and then this last special, I, I really think I had like four bits in this last special. Like wow. I look at it and I go, so that's where I'm at now where I'm like, I don't want to do the same shit. I think I challenged myself. I don't want to do the same shit. I want to be able to tell, tell like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I need comedy clubs to open up again because I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. You do know what you're doing, but uh, by the way, I feel like I'm fucking lost. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just not true. But uh, yeah, that, that, I I always Burbig's a close friend of mine. I, I I you know I think the machine story. I heard the machine story on the radio when I was in studio. Yeah, you know I was at uh, I think I was in at, at DVE in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they were playing like the best hits of the year. 
And normally when you're the guy in the studio, you're like, what do we listen to this other guy for? And then uh, I was like, oh my God, this thing is, and they were telling me, I, I love those guys. And they were like, no, trust me, man. This thing is like, you, you want to hear this? And it was, I was like, oh, wow. yeah, this is. Oh, that's so but, fucking cool. Yeah, it was great, man. It was, and then I saw it live and I was like, oh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that thing. But Burbigs is, um, there's some similarities in the way, the way you guys are, you're very different, different, different comics. And I've um, tried, like in the special, I have like a, you know, like there's like a three minute or a two minute story. Like that's as far as I can go on that. I, I, I mean, I'm not a one liner guy at all, but I, I sort yeah, of am in that sort of one minute joke type one to, you know, 40 seconds. So to a minute and a half. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to step out a little bit on this thing. And I'm going to tell like a, 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 this wrestling story for like a minute and 45 or two, two thirty or something like that. Yeah. It's interesting because all, all I need for a story, like, when I start a story, I don't like, I have a really great story right now about finding this kid and I don't know how to end it. I don't yeah. know the ending. So the story is not working. It works, but it just fizzles at the end. And it, for me, once I find that ending yeah. then I can rework the entire story and get yeah. it better. But until I get that ending, I, and, and, and so one day, like right in the middle of the pandemic, I'm on the treadmill and I come up with the ending of that story and I write it down. How great and were you feeling that day? Right, I can't find out where I can't find where I wrote oh, it. No, and I don't no know where it is. man, it'll come back. It. It'll come back, but it, but it may be a month, but it'll come back. I've, I've, I've lost them. It'll come. I promise you it'll come back, but, uh, Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal, yeah. man. It was really brutal. And it was like, and it's such a good, it's such a good story right now because I do this thing where I, it's a premise of the premise is I can find for whatever reason. And I don't know why I have an ability like a, like sincere. I'm not joking. I have an ability of finding things people lose. Like if you lose something, I can find them. And I go, I'm going to tell you a little story and then I'm going to tell you a story. I want to tell you yeah. Well, the little story is so fucking good that when I go, like when I go to tell the big story, it's so much better. It's like, the energy is so high yeah, yeah, that if yeah. I can get the ending, then I can keep the energy all the way up to the top yeah. and it'll be a murderous story. It we will. just got to figure out that ending. What I need is a weekend at a club where I'm yeah. going up every single night yeah, and I'm yeah, telling yeah. the story and I'm fucking around. Yeah. And one night I get drunk and I miss tell the story and I tell one part too early, but then I go, Oh, that works. You know, that's yeah. the, the beauty of stand up. Like I had this bit on secret time about Isla time traveling and putting her deodorant in the, and it was, it was this, this great, like, she had put her deodorant in the, she was keeping her, it was like three stories about my daughter, Isla, that I was going to, I was telling in succession. And for some reason, I got drunk in Calgary and I misspoke and I told one story too early and the next story too late. And then the way it came out, I, I had a, I had a tag. I had like a callback. Yeah end of the story of like yeah and now i'm sitting there thinking my daughter's future self is sitting in the bedroom and doing and putting and i thought greg i was like it was like the most it's the happiest accident you Lethal. get on stage and i yeah. was like fucking so excited i'm like get me on stage yeah. again i want to do that again yeah 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 and, and you try to explain to people like no no this is the thing this is the thing i yeah. got the thing and they're like yeah yeah i mean yeah it's cool man no no this is the this is what happened i got yeah. it that first time i fucked it up that first time it was like the early Friday show. I fucked it up, but I got an applause break after it. Right. And so I get off and there's this kid, by the way, I, I wish I knew who this kid was. I wish I remembered his name. He had only been doing it like two years 
but he was really good and he was really insightful. Like his comic yeah. instincts were really insightful, but he was also very like, very matter of fact. And I said, dude, that joke got an applause break. And he goes, yeah, I know. Right. And I said, I wonder why it got an applause break. And he just goes, Oh, cause we knew it was done. I said, what? And he goes, when you know something's done, you want to like reward the person. Yeah. So that's what we do. When, you know, they were like, hey, that was done. That was, that was great, man. You did a good job. Yeah. 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 Went, yeah. Oh, yeah. You and, uh, you and Burbigs both do that. Well, man. I mean, you know, I, I, the machine is perfect because it's, you don't see it coming and you yeah. know, the bits over, you know, I fucked that but, joke up. That's how I got the end. <laughs> I got I fucked that joke up. I was in Colum- I was in Columbus and the old funny bone, right? The old one with the trees on stage. And, uh, and I fucked up. I used to tell this other part and I, I'm sure I was buzzed or I'm sure I was drinking if I was in Columbus and it was a late show and I fucked it up. And I, I used to do this joke about the teacher being Puerto Rican and I didn't. And I just said, I just had the guy go, he said in real life, he said, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. And I never put it in because it just felt so misogynistic yeah, yeah. and to spit vodka in her eyes and then go, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. But that's what he said. And the second I said it, Greg, I went, oh, I can call that back. I can call that back. I'm like, I got so excited that I stumbled through the rest of the joke. Yeah. Just to get the emery guy. The cop gets on my face. He goes, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. Uh-huh. It was like, fucking, those are the greatest. Like, I wonder if there's an equivalent of that when you're a doctor. When you're like, like, I got the cancer. I got it all out. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a researcher or a surgeon or, or you know, or something, but not, certainly not a, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, maybe they get that every time they deliver a baby or something. You, you yeah, know? I'm sure they do. And they smack but, uh, out the ass and they're like, yeah, yeah they, they probably, they probably get it. Yeah. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I still pick the, the uh, bit discovery over the miracle of birth anytime, man. It's, uh, I will. I, man, yeah. it is. So, so beautiful, especially like, especially when you got like, like right now I have a little chunk. I just have one joke. I said to the, when I was, when we were putting the dog down, I I was bringing the dog out because it's it's a 140 pound bull mastiff. And so we had her on a stretcher. I was helping the dude carry on the stretcher. And I, I don't know the angle I'm going to take on this because that part of me goes, I have a, I have a chunk about how saying the most horrific thing in the most horrific time is sometimes the funniest thing to say. Like, like, and, and and so, and you, but you can't really like in what's happening in cancel culture, you can't really quantify when, and when that's taken out of context, you go, no, but you, all you're seeing is the horrible thing. You don't realize that the stakes were high and that's why the laughter showed up. Like, and so when we were walking the dog out, I was carrying the stretcher and, we were going out to this woman had a Jeep and they, she went around and opened the back of the Jeep up and it's me and this dude carrying Priscilla. And I just said, and by the way, I'm wearing a mask so they can't see the expression on my face. They can't see that I'm smiling, but I'm crying cause I'm crying. Right. And then I said, Oh no, no, no. She likes to sit up front. And the, <laughs> and the lady was like, excuse me. And I was like, and they're like, you know, it's, it's better if she's in the back. Cause you know, and I was like, okay. And so then as we put her in, I said to her, I said, but I said it dead serious to the point where like no one laughed, but I go, Hey, if she wakes up, you'll let us know. Right. And (laughs) he just was like, honey, she's not waking up. And I went, (laughs) but if she She didn't laugh at all, she didn't didn't laugh at all. Like even better, even better. (laughs) And, but I, it started when, when she put the, she put the, the syringe in to stop her heart. 
Right. Got halfway, half of it in there. I wanted so bad to go, never mind. I changed my mind. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But but I couldn't because my kids. You would have got him. You would have got him on that. My kids were so fucking upset. Oh, oh, yeah. They were in there. Oh, yeah. We were all in there. Oh, man. So rough, dude. It's rough. And it's been a week. It's been one week. I need to been a week, Craig. No, wait. It's been a week. Wait. Yeah, right? Today's money. It's been one week. It's been one week. Oh, yeah. And today my wife showed up and she was like, hey, uh, what do you think? New dog? And I was like, what? She's like, it's a puppy. It's in Arizona. I get on the tour bus with you when you leave on Friday. We drive out. We pick it up. We bring it home. It's already potty trained. Are you in? And I was like, it. I mean, Chris's body's still hot. We haven't even gotten rashes <laughs> back yet. He was like, I don't know I, what the protocol is on the dogs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, or it, I wanted, I want to just be like green light it. So that way, if my wife dies, I'd be like, girls, mom would want it this way. Remember what she did yeah, with Chris? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I was going to say second wives. I think yeah, yeah. it's a little different, Bert. Like, oh, wait, uh, as long as it's the same hair color, same green, we're fine. <laughs> Guys, it looks like mom, right? Just call <laughs> fine. She does the dishes just like mom. She does. I love that you assume your wife is going to go first, Bert. You know? <laughs> I, 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 know she will because because everyone's going to look at me at her funeral and go, it should have been you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of the most interesting companies I've ever worked with in my entire life. I am fascinated by them. It's established titles. Today, you can become a Lord at establishedtitles.com. How does it work? All right. In Scotland, landowners have long been referred to as lairds the Scottish term of Lord, the equivalent of being a lady. All you need is one square foot of land. Established titles, lordships, and ladyship title packs are based on this historic land ownership custom. They offer title packs with plots from one square foot of land to 10 square feet on a private estate in Huntley, Scotland, so you can make anyone, including yourself, a lord or a lady today. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Title packs start as low as $49.95 and come with a personalized certificate and a unique plot number and a plot of land dedicated on a private estate in the Scottish Highlands that you can visit anytime. I think this is so badass. My wife is turning 50. I am getting her a ladyship. A lady. I'm making her a lady. Lady Kreischer. I think it's great. A long time ago, Jameson Irish Whiskey did something similar to me and all the guys who were on tour. And it made me feel so awesome. I put it up. This is a plaque you can put up in your house and, when, and, and have fun with it. It's such a unique gift. What do you give someone who has it all like my wife? You make them a lord or a lady at EstablishedTitles.com. Each package comes with a digital certificate that can be downloaded and printed for the last-minute gift. So you can put it in an envelope, put it in a, in a frame, and give it to them. It's a great way to honor Scottish heritage which is my wife's fucking heritage and make someone laugh a gift that is so unique, something to someone who has it all. Let's I'm getting, I'm going to be giving out so many lordships. It's going to be crazy. They're going to be calling me Lord of the, Never mind. Established titles is offering our listeners 10% on their lordships or ladyships title packs with the discount code. Bertcast go to establishedtitles.com today, become a Lord and Enter the code BERTCAST at checkout to get 10% off. That is establishedtitles.com with the discount code BERTCAST for 10% off. Become a Lord today. As a listener of this podcast, you know a lot about a lot. You know the inside of everything. But do you know enough about you? 
Whoop is a 24-7 health and fitness tracker designed to change that. It monitors critical daily health metrics like recovery, sleep, and strain, and it's personalized to your baseline so you know when you can improve fitness or when you're falling behind or how you can improve your fitness and when to rest. It's so great. I love this Whoop strap with all the stress in the world happening right now in our lives. This is the best time to monitor your health on a deeper level. Whether you're looking to find out how recovered your body is, how hard you should train for the next day, or how you slept, Whoop provides those insights in real time with their built-in app feature. Today, Whoop is helping workers, universities, pro athletes stay healthy while returning to work and sports. This has been one of the best fitness trackers I've ever used. When I get on the treadmill, I do the strain coach. The strain coach tells me how hard I need to work out and it's based off my heart rate and how long I work out. And if I don't hit my strain, I didn't get my, I didn't get, and this strain, by the way, is based on how I recovered the night before. So if I had a shit night of sleep, they tell me you're not going to work out that hard today. And you're like, yeah, I feel like crap. It's amazing. And they also have a sleep coach. Now, this is based on how strenuous your day was. The app has a built-in sleep coach, which actually lets you know how much sleep you should be getting so you can wake up and feel recovered based on your performance goals, which you can set. For my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to Whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P dot com, and enter BERT at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and optimize your performance with Whoop. I think I'm going to outlive Segura too. Really? Yeah. Fuck yes. Well, you're like, are you, are you, are you're like running marathons and stuff now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, no, I'm not. I've ran a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> I run, I've run, um, I have run a ridiculous amount of miles, um, in this, this year so far. I think I run almost like 700 miles, I think. That's amazing. So it's, but, yeah. but I'm still eating like shit. I'm behaving like an <laughs> asshole. Like I'm drinking like crazy. I, I uh, like lately I've been drinking really, but I mean, this is right next to me. The Sierra Nevada Summerfest was a very good beer. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. I liked it. I, I've been back into beers lately. And so I'm trying to lose weight. I just ran this afternoon. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to lose weight. I don't do you, how, how are you with working out because of your wrestling history? Do you go hard as fuck? No, I mean, I, I, there was in my, in my thirties, you know, I could go a lot harder and I think like 40 was the last time I was really, I was actually, my dad was coaching back then. So I was wrestling a little bit with some of his kids and I got in shape right around 40, 41. And it's since then it's pretty pathetic. Um, I mean, it's since the quarantine, like I started, I like, I walk, which is the most, you know. That's just embarrassing to say. You know? No, you know what? The I most walk. weight I ever lost was it does was walking and watching what I ate. Yeah, you lose you, you lose a lot of weight walking, but you just feel. But I started adding like uh, one day I'll do the the plank, you know, and the other day I'll do push ups. The other day I'll do that uh, like sit sit on the sit on the wall type thing, you know, like yeah. you're, you're sitting in the chair thing. So I've been doing that, and it makes and, and uh, I'm feeling a, a little bit stronger. Like yeah, so I I can go like. Like I can, like I went six minutes on the plank and it was just purely out of spot. Just that, that I accessed something from wrestling years ago. Like, I that's can what I wonder. It. You can yeah. access that because you've got that mindset never leaves you. It, it's weird. Cause it, it, I mean, you have to really find it. I, I, um, I'll tell you a quick story. Like I, uh, 
when I was living in the city, uh, when I first got to New York, this was, I don't know, about six or seven years, seven or eight years ago, I, uh, I was walking, you know, on my, on my walk, uh, and, uh, I'm in the East village and I hear this guy behind me. He's like, what are you looking at, man? And I turned around, you know, it's like a crazy guy and I just keep walking and he, he, the guy sprints like and gets in my face, you know, and he's like, what are you looking at, man? I go like, I, I, hey, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't know who you are. And, and he jacked me like he took he, he, it was like a right. Like, I almost deserved it because I had my chin out. So <laughs> like, like he just a boom, he hit me with a right. And so that's what I'm like at that moment. I sort of like I was like, man, I, I don't think I've been punched in about 20 years. I forgot what you're supposed to do. You know, like for a second, I was like victim guy. I was like, I'm just going to finish up my walk, you know, or, or, or whatever. I, I don't know. And then like, yeah, I, it just accessed. I was like, wait a minute. I used to practice fighting every day for 20 years, every day. I, and I just, it, Bert, I wrestled him. I shot, I shot a single leg takedown to the right side and I picked his leg up like, and he went right down. Like he's, he sucked. He was, uh, <laughs> I, he was the worst guy I've ever, I guarantee this guy never paid, made it past districts is, is, is what I'll say. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, and then I get on top and I'm losing my mind. I'm like, Oh, I'll kill you. I'll fuck. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Okay. Like, and, and then, you know, like if somebody would have walked by, they'd have been like, there's a crazy guy getting beat up by a really crazy guy or girl. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell from the voice, you know, and it's New York. People are just walking by like, Oh Yeah. Yeah, it looks like Larry's losing today or what you know, like nobody cared. And um finally this dude walked by and he had a cell phone and he and, and he starts videotaping us and like it all came back. And, you know, I was like, wait a minute, I'm 45. Like I'm gonna and, and I didn't even like think about what I you know, I was like, I'm gonna I got spots tonight, you know, like I'm gonna if I we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to go talk to the police and stuff. And uh yeah. I just like left. And the dude with the cell phone, nobody said anything. Like if that happened in where I live in this nice suburb that I live in, like it would be in the paper, you know, or in the news. Like the, the only guy that said anything was a dude with the cell phone. He goes, yo dog, why he hit you? I was like, I, I don't know, man. He's, he's crazy. And he goes, you a champ dog. You a champ dog. <laughs> and the guy, like I didn't really, like the guy, the guy that hit me, he had like one punch. Like that's kind of all he, like he hit me. It was a pretty good shot. And then after that, he was just like, uh, and then real quick, I'm like on top of him. I'm, I got my arm on his throat. And then I realized, no, I'm the bad guy here. This guy's a heroin addict. Like he's, he's yeah. on something like I'm the bad person here. Like this is not, you know, yeah. and he, he had, no, he was just, I like, had nothing after that, but I, I didn't access it. And it, it there was, it, it, it was like a split second to access it. And I, um, I called one of my buddies, like I called Vecchione. Who's a, who wrestled in college Backyons, too? Yeah, legit. Yeah, and it was a great. I called him. Then I called one of my other buddies. He's like, "Dude, this is uh, this is going to be the biggest thing in your career. That guy's got that thing. He's going to put it on YouTube. This is going to break you." I'm like, "The biggest thing? Like, I had a Comedy Central special." He's like, "Yeah, man, I saw it. It wasn't great. This is the thing, man. This." Is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So, like I was able to, I can get to it, but it's it. You know, I guess it's laziness or fear or whatever. Like I, 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 and I, and I see I can get to it. I can't get to. I couldn't wrestle right now. I went. I tried to wrestle a college kid about seven years ago and almost had a heart attack. So I can't. I'm not in that kind of shape, but I can get to a little bit of toughness. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I can access my competitiveness. 
Yeah. Um, very quickly. <clears throat> but I, for whatever reason, there's a part of me where I still like, you can get in my head and beat me. Like you can, uh, like it's a lot of it. A lot of everything with me in competition is a head game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And so well, then you and Segura like have a bet or something on. Oh on yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. We did a weight loss challenge and, uh, and I got, I got really obsessive. Like I, I have this part of me that gets obsessive compulsive about things. Yeah. And so we said the winner of the bet, like if we can both get out of, uh, out of obesity on the BMI <laughs> scale, then we, then Ari had to pay for a trip for us. But if, and then the person who lost the most weight got to shave the other person's beard. And I got really obsessive about not losing my, I didn't want to lose my beard. And my, my therapist at the time said to me, Hey man, you got to relax about this beard thing. Cause you're not, I wasn't eating right. And I was like, yeah, I was just not eating. And I was getting on the treadmill. And I was walking like 12 miles a day and just was not being healthy. And my therapist said, why is this happening? I said, I don't want to lose my beard. I want to shave his beard. It's a competition. It was like the competitiveness <laughs> really got me. And he goes, he goes, Hey man, this is your job, but this should be fun. People are your comedian. They're not looking for like a, yeah. a, a, a legitimate athlete. They're looking at a comedian yeah. and they're like, and, and he was like, you know, the funnest part of this is going to be watching the other person shave the other person's beard. Regardless, you're going to be a part of that moment. So you better enjoy it. Cause if you look like a fucking angry dude, no one's going to like you. And I yeah, went, yeah. yeah, you're right. Like if I'm, if, if I won and shave his beard, like fuck it. And he looks like an asshole, but if yeah, I, yeah. and I know that if, if I lost and he shaved my beard, I was going to laugh. And so yeah. I was like, well, I don't care. It's just hair. It's just a beard. And I was like, fuck it. Let's just, and then, and then my therapist said something to me very interesting. He said, I don't know, man, like just passing. He goes, I don't know if you were asking me, I, 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 I'd actually throw it and not lose the weight and get my beard shaved. That's like, the guy. Why? That's the guy in the movie that you, that you identify with. That's the guy that you like. He goes, he goes, I think a lot more people are going to be looking at the dude with the bald face than the other guy shaving him. Yeah. And I went, oh my God. And so I, I definitely didn't throw it, but when he beat me that first time, the first day and we had to weigh in again, I fucking went as hard as I could. And, and that morning I was so thirsty because Segura was dehydrated as fuck. Yeah. You're doing what we did in college. You're doing wrestling stuff like dehydrating, which is insane. Yeah. We yeah. were, we were not drinking any fluids whatsoever spitting nonstop. Yeah. Um, spitting is amateur treadmill, stuff, Bert. Spitting, get, you don't want to do the spit. It's amateur stuff, man. Getting on the treadmill with the fucking sauna suit on. Yeah. Pouring wet, wet I out. spent my whole college career doing that. Yeah. I haven't been on a scale since 1991. Because what, did you, I, what weight did you wrestle at? I finished up 158 at the NCAA tournament my senior year. 158. I was, and, uh, I was at 150 before that and I couldn't go, I couldn't make 150 my senior year. So 158. Now, when you wrestle 158, that means you weighed 158 for two seconds several times during the season. As soon as you got off the scale, you put on, you know, 10 to 12 pounds of water weight. Um, really? Yeah. But I won't get on a scale anymore. I, 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 even at the doctor's office, like, I, I just won't do it. I can't stand scales. Really? Yeah. I just, so what was, what was the, what was the weight loss, weight loss process? Like, well, like how would you go down? Stupid. How would you go about losing weight? It sounds similar to what you guys, I mean, first of all, you're wrestling in college. So you're, this was college. High school is kind of amateurs, but and the rules have changed big time since I was there. Where did you go to school? Missouri. 
Yeah, okay. in Missouri. So what we would do is you'd, you'd kind of, you know, you're wrestling every day. So you're losing a ton of, you're in shape anyways, because you're going through hell every day in practice. But, you know, usually starting 24 hours before the match, you'd start dehydrating. And like that last practice, the, la- the practice before coach would usually not make it that hard. And then you just start, we'd do is we'd seal off these showers and we'd turn all, we'd turn all the showers on, we'd seal them off and we'd put bikes in there and we'd put sauna suits on and sweats and we'd put the Scorpions live album on and we had it all like choreographed. It's like, you know, the first two songs you go and then you go sit for a song and then you go and then you go sit and then you do that, you know, right up until the weigh-in and usually that last pound is real hard to get like you don't have any energy left so you're just sort of i mean i we used to we take popsicle sticks and scrape the sweat off or we'd go sit in a sauna um insane stuff but that was back in the day when you if for a regular meet like a dual meet you wait in five hours before the match okay for a Five tournament hours before the match, right? For a tournament like NCAA's, you'd weigh in the night before, so you oh. had a ton of time to recover. Now, because some kids died from it, uh, you know, back in the '90s, you weigh in an hour before every match. There's no way you can re- you can't do that because you can't recover. You know, they don't they don't and sauna suits are illegal and all that stuff, so they they don't do it anymore. It's it's smart, but so wait, we, so so now now kids just fight at their natural weight. Not quite their natural weight, but closer to their natural weight. They meaning, and they meaning meaning what would you like if 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 those rules applied to you now? What would you wrestle at in college? I don't know what I would have been. I probably would have been a little more responsible about keeping my weight down, and I, I probably been a, would. Have, I'm guessing I would have been a 167 pounder probably, um, but not let things get out of control. They're also way smarter about their diet. You know, they don't drink. Uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was not a maniac in college, but I drank a little bit, you know, I wasn't, uh, but yeah, I remember one time we were cutting weight for the big eight tournament. It was back when it was the big eight and, uh, it was at Missouri and I was in there cutting weight. I I knew how to sneak into the building and it was like, like on a Sunday morning or something and weigh-ins were, you know, and I, I was in there with this freshman and we're cutting weight and the cops come in and they're like, Hey, you can't be in here or whatever. And I'm like, I'm a pretty like mild mannered, respectful. I was, that's how I was. But I was like, I don't fucking care what you say. You're not getting me out of here. Like, like, and then actually, like I just didn't care. Cause it, cause I was so miserable. They're like, you're like, you, you can't, you gotta be in here. I'm like, I'm going to be in here. I go, shoot me, please. For the love of God, shoot me. Like that would be much better than what's going on right now. Just shoot me in the head. I don't care what you do. You know? uh, well, ever, I never, it sounds like you and Segura were actually doing some of that stuff for like a, a yeah. bet. Well, so Segura was covered himself in some little, some, some like uh, lotion or something like a, like a semolina or something and then got in the sauna and that helped evaporate weight. Uh, that was more that like burned more, Blew yeah. it off of him. He didn't drink. He only drank mineral water, which I guess you piss mineral water straight out. Um, wow. He actually reached out to Joe. Joe actually gave him a lot of tips on how to cut weight. Where and and, and uh, Joe, I think probably would have. Oh, Rogan. Oh, Rogan. Yeah, Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe would have offered me the same thing, but I told him I'm do- I'm going to do it my way, and I drank yeah. the entire time, and I I had a pot roast the night before weigh-ins. <laughs> like I just I just 
was I, 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 I was, I was not healthy about it at all. I lost like fucking 30 pounds in a month. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's not, a, that's not, you're not supposed to do that. Especially yeah. at our age, you're not supposed to yeah. do that. Yeah, 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 I mean, I, I remember we had this, our coach was like, he was old school and he would, he would kind of let you make your weight on your own. Like he wasn't going to mess with you. Um, but if you started showing, like if you started being whiny or he started detecting weakness, I only saw it happen like four times. It, it was if like he, he started getting the feeling you weren't going to make it. He'd just snatch you up and he'd take you in a room. I saw it first with my friend, Buddy Smith. He's, he's four and a half over and he works out for like an hour and he's, he's still three and a half over. He lost only a pound and he's just whining. And, it, you know, Buddy was, you could tell he was just beat. And, 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 and it was like, and Roper just grabs him. They go in a room. They come out 20 minutes later and he's a pound under. <laughs> like, and I was like, I'd always tell the young guys, man, I, they'd be like starting to like kind of whine or they'd be real slow. And they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't feel good. I'm like, he's looking at you right now. I swear to God just start. You do not want this to happen. You do not want this to happen. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it, and Roper would grab somebody, they'd go in the room, they'd come out again, a pound under, man. And I'd be like, what, what, what did he do? They're like, uh, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Fucking great. What, what was, uh, do you ever talk to Vecchione about wrestling? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like what's a conversation about wrestling like? Like I don't I wouldn't even know like when like I don't think there's anything like wrestling. Wrestling is a diff is so different. Like I play baseball, but even t I, I would never have a conversation with someone about baseball. Like that's I, what I wish I, I, I and that's like my favorite sport is but I just never played. I never had the hand eye. Like yeah. that's what I wish I as an adult, that's what I'm a fan of. But uh and wrestling still, but um so, like, when you talk to Vecchione about wrestling, what do you guys, like, what? Um, I mean, old stories. I mean, it's funny. I, I, uh, I'm a romantic when it comes to this. Like, I, I wanted to hear, you know, Mike was a state champ in Florida, and I wanted to hear how it happened, you know? You know, and, and, and a lot of guys, like, especially a guy like Vecchione, is not a guy that's going to talk about himself very easily. You know, he's, yeah, he he's, does not. It's yeah, so he's, a, he's a very, you know, uh, he's, he's just a good guy. He's not a, he's not a braggart or anything, but I'm like, no, no, I really want to know. And he's like, yeah, man. Well, when I was, you know, I, I moved from Ohio to Florida and he goes, this guy moved down this guy from, I think it was Pennsylvania or Ohio happened to be just a guy that got out of college. It was a college wrestler and lived in that town in Florida and came in and helped Mike out. And he's like, this is the guy that basically did everything for me. And I had a few of those guys in addition to my dad. And uh, he's like, yeah. And then I, you know, and he, and he basically like kind of took me through the state tournament and told me, every, you know, you got to win five matches. And I, I, I love hearing that stuff, man. What do you mean I, you just got to win five matches? So it's, you know, it's like a bracket. You know, it's like, the, yeah. The, yeah, it's like the final four. But so it's, I don't know. It's, you got to win. What did Mike wrestle at? 150? He, I'm trying to think, man. He was probably, he was probably bigger than me, I bet. I bet you Vecchione was big. I bet you he was like, Cause in he only wrestled like a year in college. Like he he was a walk on at Penn State and and um who was they were insanely good. I was like Vecchione, what are you doing? You went and walked on it like it's like going to walk on at Alabama in football. Yeah. But uh yeah and he and so I think he wrestled a year year and a half there or something. So I can't remember. I think in college I bet he was like one sixty five or something like that. What um he's the, younger um, than I am. So oh yeah he's he so I almost got into a fight with Vecchione when I was in college. That's a bad idea, man. 
So I was friends with this guy, Rashid. His name was Rocket. And, uh, and in at Florida State, we were freshmen. And um, Mike and I had dated the same girl. The girl I was dating had dated Mike in high school. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was now dating her. And I went, we went to Rocket's house, me and my buddy, uh, Jeff Hartley. And uh, Mike was not, not the guy I know today at all. Uh, cut off, like sleeveless shirt, but like sleeveless all the way down to like hip, ripped. Flat yeah, guns. Top, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flat, flat top. And he had his hands on the bar, just like, I'm going to fuck somebody else. Like, <laughs> and I remember, going like, I remember going like, I'm taller than him. I think I can take him. And my buddy Rashid goes, oh, no, no. He's the best wrestler in the state. Like, you might want to leave. <laughs> and we, we got in the car and left. We got in the car and left. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because he's, the, I mean, Becky is just seriously one of the sweetest guys he's I know, man. One yeah. of the most sweetest, thoughtful guys. Like, yeah, and funny. <laughs> but... Yeah, like we came, he came over. He, he's a really, really interesting guy. He yeah, really, man. By the way, a really talented comedian. Oh, yeah, man. Real talented. Re- yeah. His last album is as, as good as it gets, man. It's, uh, yeah. The one with the, the, that's the one, uh, the one where he talks about the, the super shuttle. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, it's yeah. Great, it, man. Yeah, he's real good, man. Real he's good. Fucking really talented. It's amazing that we both dated. That one girl dated two working comics. Yeah, two work, two comics at a high, high level. Two TV. Crazy. She told yeah. me I should not be a comedian. She did. She said. I told her. By the way, I hope. I hope all the bad stuff I've said about this person. I hope it's. I hope it, it's not as bad as I think. I, I had really bad thoughts about her. I did not like her when right. I when we broke up. We did not end on good terms. And and she was uh, not maybe maybe our our relationship wasn't the best thing for either of us, but you're in college and you don't know. And you think this is what love is, is you're sexually attracted to each other and, but you're not good to each other. You're, you're not even like, I don't know. But, um, she, I told her when I got back from Europe, I robbed the train in Russia and I had met the guys from a, a comedy group called the state, uh, that was on MTV. Yeah. I had met them in Greece and a couple of them, David Wayne told me I should do stand up and, if I wanted to, and I decided I wanted to stand up, and she was the first person I ever told I wanted to be a comedian. And she, her exact response was, oh, honey, you're not smart funny. You're stupid funny. Like, comedians are smart funny. Like, you're like frat boy funny. Uh, you definitely, oh, don't tell anyone about this dream. And I went, okay. Yeah, and how old were you at that time? 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows what they are at twenty two. And, yeah. and, and you know what's so funny is I think that that advice she gave me kind of rang in my head when I started comedy, and I realized that what she was saying was accurate. There are comics that are like smart, funny, like she like, does, say, yeah, like she, a, she said. You, you don't you don't remind me of Bill Maher is what she was saying. You, yeah, you, and, you know, and yeah, and I, and, I, and and then there are comics that are just you know I, I guess you could say stupid funny, but like. Just comics that make you laugh your fucking dick off. Yeah. Like, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't see, but, but I think it's so incorrect because I, I'm sure that someone may look at Brian Regan and say, oh, he's not like breaking down politics. But I think that's the, I think Brian Regan is one of the smartest comics in the he's world. He's brilliant. He's David extremely Talbot brilliant. They yeah. talk a lot about dicks and balls and, and, and prostitutes. I think he is one of the most brilliant minds in the world. Yeah. And, and I think that. But regardless, I, I when I started, I was like, let's make sure that we don't prove this woman right and just do like like let's let's be cognizant of the fact that there was someone in your life that thought you were a moron 
Yeah. And like, you don't have to be, you can be better than a moron. Right. Is, right. Is ultimately it. So, but yeah, Mike, and Mike's such a sweet guy that he goes, last time I saw him, he's like, Hey man, just, you know, like, I don't want to like, I don't want to bring up the fact that we both dated that chick. And, and, and cause I don't know, you know, I don't know what she's doing in her life and I hope that she'd hear this and be really excited and, and be yeah. happy. Yeah, and, he she, and, and, and he was, but he's so sweet that I was like, yeah, you know, and then he said something like, he's like, you know, everyone's history is everyone's everyone remembers history different, you know? So like, yeah. I don't know how she remembers us. And right. Right. It's true. It's like, I may reflect negatively on my relationship with this person, but I bet she sees things about me that were fucking disgusting. And I was like, you know, it's not fair. You should just look back and go, this person made me into the person I am today. And so I kind of celebrate her that way. And like, and like, and I go like, how fucking dialed in was this chick that her two of her boyfriends were both <laughs> we're big time boyfriends. comics. Yeah. 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 Like, fucking crazy. Yeah. I wonder how much we stole from her personality. And that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So wait, tell me more, one more time about the special before we wrap up. So I, we've been sure. Yeah. So it's on Amazon prime. It's on Amazon prime. It's called where the field corn grows. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, uh, despite what you might've seen today, it's, it's, it's family friendly. I, I, I promise it's, I, I, uh, I promise it's funny. It's, I, I, sometimes I hesitate to say that cause I'm like, yeah, yeah, lame. And I'm like, no, I, I swear it's, it's, it's good. But it, it just sort of the, the, where my uh, act has gone over the last, you know, several years, but, uh, and are you doing the road at all? I mean, I did like the last three weeks and, um, those were booked when people thought the world was going to get better. Um, and, uh, I don't know what's coming up, man. I, I, you know, I got plenty of stuff on the books, but just every day I get an email from my agent that says these guys are pulling out, these guys are pulling out. And so, yeah, I think, I think 2021 is when we'll start back up again. The roaring twenties, man. I think, I think it's, um, it may not be early 2021, but I, it's going to come back in full force, man. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. I can't fucking wait. And man, you made the right call being where you are. Holy shit. <laughs> Tell you what, we're paying rent through the nose, mortgages through the nose out here. And in New York, you fucking, everyone's, everyone's doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked it here. I mean, I've I lived in LA, lived in New York, but I always kind of knew I'd I'd be here eventually. And it, yeah, I... uh Man, I, me and O'Brien may uh, we may come over to Kansas City. Hey, open invite, please, yeah. please, please. I would absolutely love that. I would yeah, absolutely yeah. love that. There's a good chance that's we're not doing anything. So <laughs> good, good deal. Hey, I'm telling you, the sh- the shows are fun as fuck, and they're socially distant, and they're safe. It's going to be a fucking blast. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you have my number, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I have yours. Text me. Text me. I'll text you when we're coming in town. And let you know, and I'd love to have you at the show, man. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thank, hey, thanks okay. for having me on this. This was no, this was a ball, congrats man. On the, like- congrats on the special. You're fucking so brilliant. It's so good. It's so fucking. I can't wait. I'm, I'll play it for the girls tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, man. That's that's very kind. Yeah, my wife. Honestly- my wife's dad was a farmer. So and grandpa. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so she'll get a kick out of it. I really appreciate you having me on, man. This is this was cool. And and uh, like uh, like I said, O'Brien. I'm going to get a call. As soon as I get off here, I'm going to get a call from him. Like, man, you better not have fucked this up, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will see you in Kansas city in a couple, in a couple weeks, in a week or so. All right. See you. Thanks a ton, Bert. Awesome, brother. Take care. Congrats on the special. Oh, uh, uh, thanks, man.
This episode was brought to you by The Machine.